Hello, hello, hello. This I am actually breaking into the very beginning of my own show to bring you this update. So for the first time, probably in the history of the show, I've been recording this for almost, what, eight years. I got far enough ahead with my work to have a, to do some batch processing, to do four episodes, three or four episodes ahead of time and all together so that I wouldn't have to set up all my equipment. And, you know, it's just easier if you can get it all done in one shot. I've never been that well planned out to be able to do that. This turns out to be the one time I was able to do that. But I couldn't just run today's show without adding in some comments. So this is Tuesday morning, the day the show goes out. I wanted to re- I wanted to wait until now to record some things based on what's been going on. Obviously, we are just in the front end of this pandemic, as far as the U.S. is concerned. Uh, we just got word last night that the county I'm in is on a two-week lockdown where they don't want you to travel at all. I was instructed by my hospital to always carry my ID, my hospital ID on me as an essential employee, essential worker. Uh, just anyway, so that's, that's where we're at. And so I thought I couldn't just start this episode without commenting on everything that's been going on. And I know that these are sort of evergreen content, content people go back to uh, a year or two or three years later. And I know that because I can look at the stats for downloads on the show. And and the medicine is the medicine, of course. So people go back through things. So I don't want to take too long in this format to talk about uh, COVID-19 and everything that's going on with it. But I didn't think that it would be okay to just jump into the normal show. So I do want to talk about before we, you know, so <laughs> this is 10 years in the future and you're listening to this in 2030, uh, just skip ahead about five minutes and it'll probably be just fine. But for everybody else who's listening uh, today in the present, I want to talk about a couple of things we're doing over at Physician Assistant Exam Review and what's been going on there specifically. So one thing I want to strongly recommend to you is to, if you haven't yet, please get on the email list over there, uh, com. I, it, it's just a much, there's a couple reasons. One is under normal circumstances, I, it's one of my favorite things. I put out tips and tricks and philosophies and ways to do better uh, on a daily ongoing basis. And I think the, the content there, in my own personal opinion of everything that I write, uh, I think it's phenomenal and really, really helpful. Um, in addition to that, in times like this, it allows me to communicate with you. I, last week, last weekend, I did two open Zoom calls where I invited everybody in and hosted meetings. And we had tons of students come through. We had faculty, we had discussions. I sort of gave my point of view, but then opened the floor up to anybody who wanted to speak. So I think that helped a lot with the overall anxiety as they're closing schools, as people are getting kicked off the rotations. We had so many people who uh, just don't know what's coming next. And, and of course, they don't know what's coming next. So it was nice to get together and talk about what some schools are doing, what other schools are doing. Uh, and since not all of you can be there, I'll just share a little bit. We had some students who, I mean, we ran the whole gamut. We had students who had just passed their pants and now we're trying to find a job and don't know how to go about doing that right now because no one's calling them back. And of course, they're not calling them back. Everybody's kind of busy right now. Um, and how that limbo works. We had people who half their class had, had taken the pants and the other half were scheduled to take it uh, in a week or so. And now those are all canceled, right? Without uh, any idea when they're going to happen. 
we had people who were on their last rotation or last two rotations and were removed from their rotations. We had first year students who uh, are now learning from home and getting lectures from home and all the faculty who are trying to figure that out. And the second year students who are concerned that maybe they only have one more class, but then are their rotations going to get backed up because the people in front of them aren't moving forward. And there was even some pre-PA students uh, who had the same concerns, obviously. Uh, so there's people all over the gamut there who are are all over the spectrum there who are concerned about just their progress. And obviously there's lots of things to be worried about. And But I think it makes total sense to be worried about yourself and your own progress and where you're at. And I think that that's uh, perfectly appropriate and how that's going to get handled. One of the things that came out of those meetings was, and I think the biggest takeaway, was the idea of having a little patience, giving a little grace, a little space. Uh, we all wanted answers right away, and there are no answers. We all wanted to know, what's our faculty going to do? Uh, your faculty didn't know or doesn't <laughs> know what to do. This was, I don't want to say out of the blue, because we did see it coming, but I don't think anybody was quite uh, prepared for, for what's come. You know, the nice thing hearing from faculty on those uh, meetings was the same idea that they're they're there to help you. They do not want you to fail. They do not want you to do poorly, but they're also scrambling. They don't know how to handle this. Some of them have don't use technology, as I'm sure you're aware. So to have to figure out how to do online lectures is a is a challenge. But everybody wants what's best for their students. Nobody's looking for uh, them to do poorly. Everybody wants you to graduate. Everybody wants you to pass your pants. Let's start from from that perspective and then work from there. And understand that a lot of things are going to be re rearranged, right? One particular student was talking about, you know, their next, I think it was their first rotations were supposed to be two different things. And uh, I think one was supposed to be OBGYN, but they, they're, they're not going to get their physical exam skills in before that. So how's that going to work? And I think part of the answer is, I wouldn't expect any of your next rotations unless you have only like one or two left to be what they were. I don't think that schedule is going to be the same. I think they're going to have to rearrange things. Hospitals are going to come back online differently than private offices are going to come back online. So I, I think you have to go into all of this with a lot of flexibility with a lot of the idea that I'll take what I can get. I'm happy to get it. Uh, the experience I'm going to get will be great and move forward from there and know that everybody's on your side. Everybody wants you to do well and everybody wants to get you what you need and then get you finished. Uh, that's the main goal. And I know that this is sad because a lot of people were hoping to be graduating. Uh, one person on the call, I don't remember, if it was, I think she was on the call, said she was uh, just, you know, you're going to miss your white coat ceremony. You're going to miss a few things. And, and obviously everybody's got those stories. And I, I've shared a lot of that through the email. I don't want to go too far into it here, uh, but certainly all of those are concerns at the moment. Um, one of the other things I've been doing through the email list is I've been writing a, it's getting longer and longer, but my, my update on the virus, where I think we're going, where I th what I think we need to do, uh, what I think you can be doing, uh, which if you haven't yet, one of the things you can do, uh, is to take care of yourself, build up your own, uh, health, make sure you're getting enough sleep, make sure you're eating correctly. Uh, those things are super important, uh, make sure that you are prepared, your body is prepared, your immune system is prepared for if and when you get this thing. You know, the numbers have said somewhere between 50 to 80, 70 to 80% are going to wind up getting the virus. And the goal is to not overwhelm the healthcare system. So don't, it's not just get it and get it over with. It's how slow can we get this over with? How can you avoid it or get the most mild case possible? Uh, getting it 
today versus getting it next October are going to be two totally different things as far as the healthcare system goes. So you want to make sure you stretch that out. But if you do get it, you want to have the most mild case possible. So you want to be taking care of yourself. You want to be getting enough sleep, especially if you are not out and about and not going to class and not killing yourself with studying. You have a little bit extra free time. Maybe you can catch up on some of that sleep that has been eluding you for the past couple of years. Uh, so that's been one thing that we've been we've been working on. In fact, it's 8.30 in the morning and my kids are still asleep, which they rarely ever do, but it's nice and cloudy. So this has been a nice time for them to even just catch up a little bit. Anyway, um, so for some of you, this has been a lot more work because you're trying to learn, figure out how to learn from home. Your faculty is trying to figure out how to teach from home. Uh, for some people, it's been a lot less work because they're they're home and, they, and they're not working. For me, it's actually been a, a split. Uh, baseball's obviously been canceled, so my evenings are more open. But the time I normally get to work on position assistant exam review is now being dedicated a lot of that to my kids because my kids are home and my wife is trying to work from home, but working from home with two kids at home is not as easy as, you know, you might, (laughs) you might think if you don't have kids, uh, just plopping them in front of the television and Xbox doesn't work as well as you might think. Uh, we've been doing a lot of tennis, uh, just the four of us, which is great because nobody uses the tennis courts in our development. So that's been fun. Uh, but we've been doing a lot of that kind of stuff. So uh, my time has actually been, I've actually had less time than I normally do. And there's just been a ton of work to do here. You know, write, rewriting emails, rewriting things. Uh, I had to rewrite the upcoming edition of the Physician Assistant Exam Scholars Newsletter. Because again, the one that was coming out just didn't fit as well. Uh, the one that I'm rewriting currently and the one that's going to come out on April 1st is going to be all about dealing with working from home with the family, with everything else, uh, how to focus, how to learn from home, how to study from home, how to learn on your own and maintain that focus and all the while stay out of uh, despair, worry, and fight those things off so that you can continue to do the work that you know you want to get done, that you know you need to get done. uh, And we're going to work through that. I've been working essentially on and off from home for the past 10 years, working on physician assistant exam review um, and doing, you know, 90% of that work from home in my spare time. So I have a lot of things I've tested, a lot of things I've tried, a lot of things that work really well for me, a lot of things that I would like to recommend to you that I think will just completely alter that learning curve of how you handle this. I know that you've been working on your own for a while, uh, but this is a little bit different time and a little bit different. Um, So I think I can contribute to that conversation. Anyway, so that's a little bit about what's been going on here. Like I said, I don't want to spend more than... uh, that on the topic of the virus itself. Uh, I do want to just get into the show, but I want to just remind you that if you get on the email list, uh, we can communicate a whole lot easier when things come up. When I'm changing things, I'm planning on adding, I will probably, I haven't discussed it with my wife yet, so there's there's a little bit of question there. I'm probably going to add in another uh, Zoom call this weekend, probably on Saturday morning-ish, like somewhere around 11 or 12 Eastern time. I know the Pacific time people were mad at me when I held it too early in the morning. So it'll probably be Saturday morning around 11 or 12. I will, again, I'm going to update that through the email list and let you know as the week goes on. So if you're on the email list, you can get access to those uh, and we'll, we'll see how that all works out moving forward. But anyway, that's the, that's what's been going on here. Uh, I'm sure every one of you has stories and if you're available for that call, I'd love to hear them. And I know other people would too. So, and feel free to email me with questions. I, I've been getting, I've been inundated with with questions and emails, and I've been trying to answer everybody. Uh, I'm happy to do it. I love to do it. Uh, anything I sometimes people just felt better just writing to me and getting some of that out uh, in the air. You know, it even said, you know, you don't even need to respond to this. I feel better already having written it. So, 
please feel free to use me uh, as an access point there. I may not have all the answers, but certainly have a different perspective. And I will do my best to to help you out. I just understand that some of the responses, even though I'm getting these long, heartfelt emails, some of my responses are sort of brief and come across maybe as a little gruff. That's not my intention. The intention is just that I have a lot of them to get through, but please, that doesn't mean don't send them. Please send them in uh, and go ahead and do that. Anyway, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up there as far as the, the intro, and I think that's enough from me on this situation. We're going to go ahead and finish up this very last uh, podcast on the eye, and then we're going to be done with the eye. And again, I'm, I'm debating what to do. I had an, another interview scheduled for next week, but I'm not sure it fits this particular time. So we may just move on to ENT. Uh, I don't know. You'll find out <laughs> next week when, or in two weeks when I post that show. So anyway, uh, I hope you're safe. I hope you're healthy. Uh, please take care of those around you. Enjoy a little bit of downtime and really work. Well, one of the things we've been working on is just building up some of the relationships we've been mess, missing out on. We've been uh, using actually Zoom calls to call family members, to call friends we haven't seen in a while. Uh, and it's been really, from that perspective, a couple of nice things that have come out of this. Uh, some of the things that that we've been able to do have been really nice as a family. So I don't want to think that everything's all bad. Of course not. Uh, there's definitely lessons you can learn and definitely some positives here. So anyway, I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, and... One of the things I wanted to do was put in some sound effects to make this transition make more sense. And of course, this is the one my 10-year-old picked for the transition. So I'm going to sign off with this, and we're going to move right into the eyeball. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 66 of the Physician Assistant Exam Review Podcast. This week, we're going to be wrapping up. We will be finishing the eyeball. My name is Brian Wallace. I'm the host and creator here at Physician Assistant Exam Review. Uh, and again, this website is designed for passing your exam, teaching you how to study, teaching you what material is important, how to focus, what to do on exam day, all of those things. This is not designed to teach you clinical practice. That's not my goal. That's not what we're here for. We are here to teach you the things you will be most uh, likely to see on exams, the things you'll need to remember, and how to take those exams. I keep finding out more and more and I, I don't know why I'm so surprised at this, how few people who get to this level actually know how to study and take tests. Most people have been so smart their whole lives that they've just sort of uh, been able to handle it. And like I said, I, I'm just in every conversation I have, I'm, I'm surprised that we haven't needed to, or maybe I'm impressed with everybody, that you haven't needed to learn how to study and you've all been smarter than me. So I actually had to learn how to study a little bit earlier than most of you. But anyway, so now I'm passing that stuff along to you, how to get this done, how to study, how to pick out the most important information, all that sort of stuff is what we do here on the show. And if you're interested in more of that, you can always find more over on the website, www.physicianassistantexamreview.com, especially through the email list. Uh, I can't encourage that enough. It's, it's the place where I put out the most information the most contact, the most tips, tricks, techniques, all kinds of stuff on how to improve your grades, improve your studying, improve your attention, uh, pretty much anything you can think of that's going to help you with PA school and beyond. That's what I do through the email list in particular. The The podcast is more for medical content, but the email list is more for learning uh everything else that you need to know, which becomes probably 50% of everything. You know, everyone wants to focus solely on the medical content, but I think that's where we get into trouble. Anyway, 
the other thing I want to mention before we jump in to uh, this very last eyeball <laughs> um, podcast is next week I'm going to have a very special guest, Mary, on the show where she's going to talk about kind of a devastating time in her life when she did not wind up passing her first semester of PA school and had to start again and the things that she did to bounce back from that and to really uh, grow out of that and take the time to learn and improve and has just been nailing it ever since. So I just want to make sure that you're aware of that one coming up because that's going to be an important one. I really want you to to make sure that you you hear that one. Anyway, let's move forward with the eyeball. And we're, today we're going to be talking about vascular disorders and some visual abnormalities. And that'll pretty much take us out. So without further ado, let's get to our priming questions. What two vision problems have the description of a loss of vision like a curtain coming down? What two vision problems have a patient description of a loss of vision like a curtain coming down? A pale disc on a fundal exam should make you think of what diagnosis? A pale disc on a fundal exam should make you think of what diagnosis? What do most people call amblyopia? What do most people out in the world call amblyopia? And then the same question for strabismus. What do most people call strabismus? All right, and we'll get to those answers in a little bit. Vascular disorders. We're going to start with retinal artery occlusion. So some of these names sound more important. Uh, I don't know. Retinal artery occlusion. That just means there's something stuck in, a, in an artery getting going to the retina, right? So we're getting a decreased blood flow to the retina. You know that by the name. And then the rest of the, the, the entire rest of it should make some sense. What would you think about if you had a major artery to the retina that was blocked and you stopped getting blood flow to the retina? Think about what the, the, how that might happen. Think about the clinical presentation. Think about what you might do for physical and lab exams. Think about how you might try to treat that. Some of these things need to get lodged in your head by this active type of studying, by thinking, not just by looking at lists. All right, so let's think about our causes and predisposing factors. What might be a cause or a predisposing factor for a retinal artery occlusion? You can get a clot, right? So think about AFib, something that might throw a clot there. You can get sclerosis of the arteries, right? That can close it off. Long-term hypertension, long-term diabetes, temporal arteritis, those are all things that may cause a retinal artery occlusion. How are these patients going to present? They're going to have acute vision loss, right? This is like a heart attack in the eyeball. They will have acute vision loss. They're not going to have pain, but they're going to have acute vision loss, either partial or complete. Labs and studies, you're going to do a fundal exam, and what you're going to see is that optic atrophy, that pale disc, right? That makes sense. You're not getting blood flow there. It's going to be a pale disc. The cherry red spot, which is actually the rest of the retina being pale and that one spot getting blood supply. And then box scarring, which is the narrowing of arterioles. How would you treat this? Well, it's an emergency, right? Like I said, this is like a heart attack in the eyeball. This is an emergency. They're not getting blood flow to the eye. This needs to be referred immediately. There is some discussion about intermittent pressure, so to try and dislodge that clot. And then TPA is ultimately uh, something that can be done. But obviously that's not done in your office. Central vein occlusion. So same idea, central vein occlusion. 
causes and predisposing factors are hypertension, diabetes, sickle cell, glaucoma. Clinical presentation. This is going to be vision loss or blurred vision. On the, th- blah, 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 blah. On the fundal exam, you are going to see, this is where they talk about the blood and thunder fundus. And I know everyone wants to talk about how they're, don't, they're not putting key terms on the exam. And, and I get it. You're not going to see the term blood and thunder fundus on your test. That's never, ever what I've been saying. What I am saying is that term helps lodge something in your brain. Knowing that term and having seen a picture of it helps you to retain what's going on. And it's neovascularization with dilated veins and exudates are what caused that look. Right, so they somebody named it a blood and thunder fundus because that's kind of what they it reminded them of. So I want it to remind you of that too. Do I expect that term to be on your exam? Absolutely not. I would be shocked if that term ever came up on a test. But knowing it will help you to picture this when it comes up. As far as treatment goes, you're, there's really nothing to do. You're going to treat the underlying causes, trying to get the hypertension under control, the diabetes, the sickle cell, that sort of stuff. And then it will usually resolve on its own. Vision abnormalities is our last major topic. The first one is amaurosis fugax, which is, if you think about it, it's kind of like a TIA of the eyeball. So you get a little clot that then dislodges, a little clot that then dislodges. Um, causes here can be, again, AFib and carotid plaque. So think about what we're talking about. Picture the whole thing in your head. Don't stop memorizing lists. Clinical presentation. So do you think this will be slow onset of vision loss, quick onset of vision loss? So this is transient acute vision loss, right? Comes on quick. This is also a curtain descending and then goes back up, right? So they lose their vision, but now it goes back up because it's not like the retinal detachment where the the curtain comes down and stays down because that retina has been detached here that little TIA that happened in that in that artery the curtain comes down they lose their vision but then it comes back and this is generally unilateral treatment treat the underlying cause and then heparin may also be helpful strabismus so this is also known as cross-eyed there's a couple different variations here you can get hypotropia which is one eye goes down hypertropia which is one eye goes up exotropia one eye goes out and esotropia one eye goes in Clinical presentation, patient comes in cross-eyed with double vision and headaches. Labs and studies, you can do a cover-uncover test, which is just you have the patient look in a direction, and then you put a, a card or a hand or something over the one eye, and you watch it sort of as you cover the good eye. The the, the cross-eyed eye moves back into place and then lo- focuses on what you're looking at. Uh, Hirschberg corneal reflex test, if you're not if you're, this is sort of if you're trying to determine if a patient actually is cross-eyed, you can shine a flashlight in the patient's eyes and the light reflection should come back in the same spot. If it doesn't, then you have a diagnosis. Treatment in children. You want to treat this as early as possible and get this taken care of. It's much harder to treat once you have an adult uh, and the goal is to avoid amblyopia, which we'll get to in just a second. You can use special glasses, an eye patch, and then sometimes surgery and the same thing in adults. Uh, and what you're trying to do is train that that eye, the eyes basically to work together. And if you're using mostly one and the other one is kind of pointing a little bit in the wrong direction, you want to train that other eye to be the main one you're working with. Amblyopia is lazy eye, uh, which is a loss of vision in an otherwise normal eye, secondary to normal pathway, not functioning properly. This is most often 
Secondary to strabismus, vision is not corrected with glasses. So what you have here is you have somebody who's a little bit cross-eyed, but then the vision in the the eye that's cross-eyed, that's moving in the wrong direction, it starts to fade and become worse and worse and worse because that neural pathway starts to shut down. So you need to make sure, and that's why we call it a lazy eye because it's not really doing the work it should be doing, and then it kind of atrophies. You can think about it that way. And what you need to do is get that eye to work when you have a patient with strabismus that they don't move on to amblyopia. Amblyopia is much harder to treat, right? Strabismus is sort of the, the, the predetermining factor there. So treatment is going to be the same. We're going to treat this at a very early age as you're going to have much better success then. <clears throat> and, and you're forcing that weaker eye to work. You're getting an eye patch, glasses that are blurred on that side. You can use drops that blur the, the essentially the good eye uh, so that they're forced to use that weaker eye. Wow. And that'll wrap this up for this episode. I'm always shocked. Maybe I should start adding a little bit more to these. I don't know. Um, but that will take us out for today's episode. And let's move on to our study tip. And what I talked about in the last episode, and, and one of the things I want to harp on a little bit more in this show and a little bit more in the the emails that go out every day is studying. One thing you can do, and, and we talked last time about breaking up your studying, so setting in a different place so that you your brain has a place to attach it to. Well, one of the things I also talk about that help your brain to hold on to information is to use multiple senses. So if you can use sight and touch and sound, it has a much better chance of sticking in your brain as opposed to just uh, just sight, right? So one of the things you can do is to say important things out loud. Now, this is going to feel stupid. I have no doubt about that. You're going to feel like an idiot. But if you come across information that's important and you stand up and say it out loud, it will lodge in your brain. Yes, you're going to feel dumb. I, I don't care. The goal isn't to not make you feel dumb on this show. The goal is to get you to pass your test. So when you come across something very, very important, what I want you to do is stop what you're doing and stand up and say it out loud. If you've got a list of four or five things that you absolutely must memorize, that's the part that you take and you stand up, you take a deep breath and you say them out loud. So you vocalize them takes a little bit of work. You stand up so that it changes your perspectives a little bit. And then you say it out loud so that you're also hearing what you're saying. And it will lodge it in there. Now, you can't do this for everything, right? That's not going to work. It's kind of like highlighting your whole book. That's useless. You have to pick the important things and then use this technique. And I promise you, you will hold on to those much, much longer than the things that you sit in your chair and you just read through. All right. So that was our study tip for, <laughs> for today. Uh, like I said, next week, we're going to have uh, Mary on the show, she's going to talk all about what she did to repair her uh, situation when she was in dire straits and being uh, asked to remediate some classes and how she really has gained some perspective and done really, really well out of that and the things she's learned about studying and about herself through that process. I'm, I'm really looking forward to share that with you. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So anyway, let's go ahead and, and answer our priming questions. Hopefully you were able to nail these as we went through. What two vision problems have the description of a loss of vision like a curtain coming down? And I mentioned these in particular as we went through retinal detachment and amaurosis fugax. Which one has it go back up? Amaurosis fugax, right? Because that's like a TIA. A pale disc on a fundal exam should make you think of what diagnosis? A pale disc on a fundal exam should make you think of what diagnosis? Well, what would make the disc turn pale? Not getting any blood, so that's a retinal artery occlusion. 
What's a colloquial name for amblyopia? Lazy eye. What's a colloquial name for strabismus? Cross-eyed. Right? So I think if you hold on to some of those names, it's also easier for your brain to remember them. You're not adding as much detail on top. You're, you're just kind of adding filling some stuff in that you already know. And I think that's always, always, always easier. All right, so that'll take us out for episode 66. Next week, we'll have the interview with Mary. And then following that, we will be moving on to the rest of ENT and done with the eyes. So I'm super excited about that as we move through the process of season two. As you are, up my soundboard. Here we go. <clears throat> Anybody taking their exam this week, good luck to you. And please, please, please let me know how you make out. Pass or fail, we want to know. We don't want you to be alone. We want you to celebrate or be sad together and share that with me. And I'll happily give you some, some things you can do if that does, God forbid, happen to you. But regardless, you definitely need someone to reach out to. So please, please do that. Uh, all right, take care and good luck. <laughs>